We are doing things a little bit different, as you have already heard, because on the back end of the message, we want there to be some response time. Uh, we're we're going to be wrapping up just a, a two-part series that, that, that really focuses on pain. And, and the series, we're just calling it Joy in Pain. And we recognize, even as we address this, that every single one of us have something going on in our lives that is painful. Uh, you do, I do. Uh, the fact is we live in a fallen and broken world. So if I ask you, okay, what, what's, what's really painful in your life right now? My guess is not a single one of us would just draw a blank and, and go, man, I can't think of a thing. And if you do, it probably means that uh, maybe your emotions are just so seared over, maybe because of so much pain that you just kind of held it all at bay. And I don't know if that's really a good thing either. And so joy in pain. At the end of the service, we're going we're gonna to have an opportunity to take the Lord's Supper together. You just come down front or come down front up in the balcony. And, uh, and, and, and then we're going to have people here at the altar uh, to pray uh, for you if you want to come and just pray with someone. So uh, that's, uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. And, and let me encourage you to lean in. I, I, know, I, I know this is kind of a sleepy Sunday. Is there anybody in here besides me that's sleepy uh, because you've lost an hour of sleep? Okay, yeah, me and about half of you. That's good. I, uh, you know what? If you ever had a chance, an opportunity, a great excuse to just skip church, it was this morning. Time change, the end of spring break or the beginning of spring break, depending on when you take it, and yet you chose to be in God house to worship him and to gather with his family and listen to his word. So I think you ought to just give yourselves a hand. Amen. Come on, let's do it. All right. Now, as we dive into this subject, I, I just, I just want to register, you know, my frustration with the whole concept of joy in pain. It's kind of like an oxymoron, right? I mean, it's like saying cruel kindness or winning by losing uh, hope and despair, freedom and captivity. I mean, what even does that stuff mean? There may be some truth in that. Maybe in some way we can win by losing, but honestly, it's just confusing to me. And, and let me just say, probably for all of us, uh, I know for me, when it comes to joy, I'd a lot rather find joy in pleasure than in pain. Can I get an amen to that? Is anybody with me on that? Amen. I'd rather find joy in hanging out with my family than pain. I'd rather find joy in following Jesus than find it in pain. I'd rather find joy in watching Scotty Scheffler win the Players' Championship this afternoon than find it in pain. There's one other person rooting for Scotty with me. I love that. But here's the reality. Jesus is the one through his servant James who told us when it comes to the painful experiences in life, we have a choice. Remember what Pierce preached last Sunday from James? Consider it all joy. Now, I just want you to lean in on this thought for a second, okay? This is not my text. I'm not going to preach on the same text that Pierce preached on. I'm just kind of 
re- rehashing what he said. And, and, and here's kind of what he's saying. God, through James and then through Pierce last Sunday, hey, when you experience pain, and every one of us are experiencing pain, so you just give a name to your pain. Fill in the blank. What is the pain that you're facing today? You and I have a choice when it comes to that pain. We can either double our fist at God and say, how dare you? Don't you know that I'm in church? Don't you know that I'm a Christian? Don't you know that I'm trying to follow you? How dare you let this pain come into my life? For some of you, it's a relational pain. For some of you, it's a pain that came from some diagnosis that wasn't good. Maybe you're in conflict with someone. I don't know what your pain is, but I do know this. Jesus says you've got an opportunity. You've got a choice. When you face that pain, you're going to either double your fist up at Jesus and say, how dare you? And by the way, you better get on the ball, Jesus. Because if you don't get this pain out of my life, I'm going to walk away from you. Because if you can't give me a pain-free existence, what good are you, Jesus? See, Jesus said, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make a choice when you encounter pain. And we all encounter pain pretty well every day. And we either consider it an offense or we consider it all joy. Why would we ever consider pain joy? Why would we say, okay, Jesus, I hate pain. I'm not a masochist. I don't like pain. I'd rather find joy and pleasure, joy and family, joy in following you, Jesus. Uh, but, but I'm going to consider this pain joy because I know that you're using the joy to transform my life. You're using it to produce in me perseverance. What is perseverance? Perseverance is a faith with roots. Perseverance is a faith that is just sunk into Jesus. Perseverance is the kind of faith that even when pain upon pain upon pain comes into our life, we respond just like Job. Lord, you, you've, you've hit me with about every painful thing that, that a human being could be hit with. So about all that's left is me dying so let's just get this straight. Let me just get it out there, God. Though you slay me, though you introduce death into the equation, yet will I trust in you. And so he's saying, you got a choice. You can shake your fist or you can lean into the pain and say, Jesus, I'm going to thank you for the pain because I know that you're going to use it to transform me and you're going to give me a faith with roots sunk deep into you so that nothing can shake my faith. Nothing can dissuade me from trusting in you and following you. And if you read on in the passage that Pierce preached on, he says that he uses that to bring us to completeness. He uses the pain to transform us to be a whole lot like Jesus. So that's what we talked about last week. And this week, we're going to talk about how God then uses those who are transformed to actually transform others. See, God wants to work in your life. God wants you to say of the pain in your life right now, instead of shaking my fist at you, God, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to rejoice because I know that you're working in my life to transform me. And God, then I know that you're going to put me in a position where you can work through my life to transform others. And that's what we see in Stephen's life, which Judd read about. And so... Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Open your Bible to 
Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. And as we just dive into this text for a few moments, I'm going to ask you to just consider this. Why should I consider it all joy when I encounter trials? And here's the answer, I believe. You can, you can embrace the pain in your life and, and consider it joy if you understand this. God works in your pain and God works through your pain. See, Stephen understood that. Stephen understood that God was working in his pain. Listen to what it says about Stephen. This is Luke, the author of the book of Acts, and he says this about Stephen. See if you would want these words written about you. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen. Listen to this description of Stephen. A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. He is full of faith. He has faith with roots, faith that is sunk into Jesus, faith that is not going to be dissuaded or discouraged, even at the point of death from following Jesus. It doesn't matter how woke society is. It doesn't matter how many people tell Stephen, you better shut up and you better toe the line because he said, my roots are in Jesus. He's a man of faith. He's a man of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know even his enemies said of Stephen, he has the face of an angel. And they weren't talking about he was a pretty guy. They were talking about his countenance. Have you met somebody who just has an angelic countenance? And you knew, you knew it was because they had spent so much time with Jesus and they were so filled with Jesus and so full of the Holy Spirit. You just looked look at them and they have the face of an angel. And that's what they said about Stephen. He was a man of faith and a man filled with the Holy Spirit. But listen to what else was said about Stephen. Full of grace and power. Did you see that? He was a man filled with grace. How would you like to be that kind of person? You're not going to become that kind of person without some pain, without going through the refiner's fire. You know, that's what pain is, right? It's a refiner's fire. I mean, if you find a, a nugget of gold, it's valuable because gold is gold and gold is valuable. But if it's just a raw nugget, it may have iron ore in it and a lot of other impurities. That gold nugget is valuable, but it's not nearly as valuable as gold is after it goes through the refiner's fire and it comes out a shiny gold nugget like you see in the television programs, right? I mean, that's even more valuable. And Jesus is saying, you're valuable to me, but you're gonna be more effective in my service and you're going to be more like me after I take you through the refiner's fire. And so they said of Stephen, he is a man full of grace. And Stephen was filled with grace. Did you know, even as he was being stoned to death, the Bible says he fell to his knees. And with his last breath, he basically prayed what Jesus prayed on the cross. You talk about grace. He prays, Father, don't hold this sin against them. The very ones who were introducing the pain into Stephen's life, he goes, forgive the ones who are making my life painful. 
by taking my life. He was filled with grace and he was filled with power. There was a boldness and there was a burden. He, he cared deeply about those who were far from God. Listen, do you want that to be said of you? Here's the reality. That kind of formation, that kind of transformation doesn't come without pain. And the refiner's fire. How do we know that? Well, we can surmise I'm reading into the text that Stephen himself went through the refiner's fire. Think about Jesus, and he's a contemporary of Jesus. Jesus they crucified. And then what happens? Well, Jesus Iscariot had already committed suicide. John the beloved was at the cross. But where were all of the other apostles when they saw things going south with Jesus? They said, we better get out of Dodge. If you read on in the book of Acts, even before you get to Acts chapter six where we are, here's the reality. Peter and John had already been arrested and thrown into jail. And then if you read in chapter five, something I'd really never noticed before, it says in chapter five that Peter and all of the apostles were thrown into prison. Here's the reality. If you were going to follow Jesus in the first century, you were going to pay a price. You were going to go through the refiner's fire. So do you want it to be said of you? Here's a person with faith. They're not going to be dissuaded from following Jesus, no matter how woke society gets. Do you want to be a person who's full of the Holy Spirit, filled with grace? Do you want to be a person who's filled with power? Listen to me. You're going to have to go through what Stephen went through, and that is the refiner's fire. And so get ready for that. Oswald Chambers is the one who said, before God can use a man greatly, before he can use a woman greatly, listen to what it says. He must wound him. He must wound her deeply. I still can't get over the verse that says of Jesus, although he was a son. We're talking about Jesus, God the son. He learned obedience through what he, what does it say? What he suffered. Here's the reality. If you wanna be transformed, you can't bypass the refiner's fire. And listen to this about Stephen. He was doing great signs and wonders. What are the signs and wonders? Is it, is it that he was healing people? And that's possible. That's the sign and wonder. But you know what Luke points to? You want to know what really impressed Luke? You want to know what really impressed the people of the first century about Stephen? Listen to this. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. I want you to know something. Stephen was doing great wonders and signs. And when you start wondering what those wonders and signs are, let me just suggest this. That crowd in the first century, they didn't kill Stephen because too many lame people were getting up walking. They killed Stephen because too many people were repenting of their sins and getting saved. He had this boldness that said, I don't want you to die and live eternally separated from Jesus. And even if it costs me my life, I'm gonna speak up and I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. He had this boldness. And the people are going, whoa, that's a, that's a sign and a, and a wonder. See, God works in you through the refiner's fire. So you're going through pain right now. 
And, and you can go, how dare you? Or you can go, God, you're God. I'm not. And you're allowing this pain to come into my life. I didn't say he's causing it. He's allowing it. And God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to rejoice because I know that you're using the pain as a refiner's fire to make me more like Stephen, to make me more like Jesus. But what I want you to catch is how God uses the transformed to transform others. See, God did a work in Stephen's life, and then God immediately put Stephen to work. Did you notice, first of all, that Stephen served the church? And, and every skeptic in the crowd right now, I know what you're thinking, and I don't blame you. Oh, you're the preacher, so of course you're going to work this point in. But let me make my case, and then if you still think that, then go ahead and think that, okay? Did you know that Stephen, this man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, this man who was full of grace and power, do you know where God first called Stephen to serve? In the church. Did you know he was the very first deacon of the New Testament church? And what they said pleased the whole gathering. They all decided, hey, we've got some problems with feeding widows and there's conflict in the church. We gotta get some deacons, servants, office of serving. And so they go, who are we gonna choose? And they're all going, this is a great idea. And we know who the first one you need to choose is. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to catch. God transforms through the refiner's fire, but those who are transformed, he transforms others through them. You realize that, right? And the very first place he starts using a transformed person is in his church, the bride of Christ. Why does God place the transformed into his church and say, I want you to serve my bride? Because he loves his bride and because he knows that when the body of Christ gathers together, that lives get changed, that lives are transformed. Amen? I mean, when we're gathered together, the whole idea here is that God is in the midst and God is changing hearts and attitudes and minds. The idea is, I mean, God is in our ministries. Think about what's happening with Chi Alpha next month. Think about what's happening with chaos on Wednesday nights. Think about what's happening with vacation Bible school. Why do parents sign kids up for all of these ministries? We opened up VBS apparently a few weeks ago for registration and they told me within the first day or two, 250 kids signed up for vacation Bible school this summer already. Isn't that amazing? Why do moms and dads sign their kids up at vacation Bible school? Because they know God transforms children's lives through vacation Bible school, amen? And so God says, of course I want transformed people to serve my bride, the body of Christ, because I'm at work in the midst of my body and I'm changing lives. Why does, why does God want people to serve in life groups? Because people are transformed through life groups and connection and the fellowship and the Bible teaching. A dear friend of mine that I've discipled shared his testimony with a group of guys about a week ago. And he knew I was in the room because he looked at me when he said this. And he told them, and he wasn't even ashamed to say this. He said, I'm in this church 
And he looks at me, not because of the preaching. (laughs) You know I'm in the room, right? And he goes, I'm in this church, and my family's in this church because of our life group. And he talks about the connections and the relationship and the impact that God has had on his family in that life group. And he is saying, what is he saying? He's saying that God transforms lives and life groups. And I want you to know, we worship, we gather and worship and we gather to preach sermons. Why? Because we believe that even in this setting, God is transforming lives. My buddy doesn't believe that, but I do. Thank you for laughing, Trace is the only one with me there. God transforms lives because in worship and in sermons, we take our eyes off of ourselves and we put our eyes back on Jesus. And when we put our eyes on Jesus, Jesus starts doing miraculous works. Why does God call the transformed to find a place of service in his church? Because he wants his church to be well-served, well-taught, well-greeted, well-funded. Because that's where he's transforming lives. But notice where else God used Stephen. It wasn't just in church. God used Stephen out on the streets. Did you catch what it said? They. Who's the they? They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. I'm telling you, uh, the they is not the congregation on a Sunday morning as he was preaching a sermon. It wasn't his life group. It wasn't a Chi Alpha gathering. You know who the they are? It's the they out on the street. You and I would say Stephen was preaching at the office. Stephen was sharing in his neighborhood. Stephen was sharing at Kroger. You see, God uses those who are transformed. And then he says, here, I want you to serve in my my church, and I want you to share the gospel with the people in the community. And he gave Stephen this burden and this boldness to tell others about Jesus. See, that's what transformed people do. That's how God uses transformed people to transform others. I'll tell you, my wife is far more bold than I am. Uh, This past week, literally this past week, our washing machine died. We laid hands on it and asked God to raise it. (laughs) Please, Lord Jesus. He didn't. I kicked it for good measure. That didn't help either. So we got a new washing machine. The guy delivers it on Wednesday afternoon. I'm up here, Kim meets him. And my wife, just, she just loves people, so she loves to talk to people. So in no time at all, she's already found out pretty well everything about him, including the divorce that he's going through. And she said, God just really convicted me. I need to tell this guy about Jesus. So I loved her strategy. Here's what she did, literally. She said, would you like a bottle of water or a Coke? And he said, a Dr. Pepper? She said, I've already drank all the Dr. Peppers. It's a bottle of water or a Coke. He goes, I'll take a Coke. So she got the Coke and she has a little card that's got the gospel on it and she wrapped it around the Coke and then wrapped it up in a rubber band and handed it to him. 
and said, here's your Coke. And the card on there is the gospel. And it just tells you about Jesus and how he loves you and how he wants you to be his follower. And then she says, do you know Jesus? And he smiles and he lifts his sleeve and he shows her his God is good tattoo. And he says, yes, ma'am, I know Jesus. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, how cool is that? God just gives my wife a burden and he gives her boldness. And, and there on a Wednesday afternoon with a guy who's going through a divorce delivering washing machines, they just got to celebrate in the midst of the pain of his life the goodness of God. Because that's what God uses the transformed folks to do. See, God transforms us so he can transform others through us. Now, now let me just stop here and, and just, I hate to use the words get real, but, but let me just get real here. Ready? Some of you right now, if you were going to be really, really honest, and you're in church, so don't bother, but I mean, if you were going to be really, really honest, you would say, Gary, I don't really care about being transformed. I, uh, I'm here because I believe God wants me to be here. But as far as coming here saying, God, could you just give me more faith? Could you sink the roots of my faith deeper so that there's nothing that could ever dissuade me from following you? God, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? I mean, so that the very countenance on my face changes and, and others are going, man, he or she looks like an angel. And they're not talking about your makeup or your hairdo. Maybe you'd say, I, I'm not really in here praying that God will, will, will give me, you know, grace, that God will give me power. And then if you were gonna be really, really honest, you'd go, and I'm certainly not here praying that God will use my life to serve somewhere in the church, that God will use me to share with somebody on the streets or in my office or in my neighborhood or in my fraternity or my sorority, the gospel of Jesus. Okay, let me tell you, if that's you, I don't believe it means that you have no faith. I don't believe it means that your faith is defective. I believe it just means that your transformation is incomplete. And so then my only encouragement to you is watch out. As C.S. Lewis says, pain is God's megaphone to rouse your deaf ears. See, we can turn a deaf ear to God all we want, but God has a way of shouting so loud that just plugging our ears can't drown out the voice of God. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse your deaf ears, and it is how he plants the flag of truth in the fortress of your soul. I'm just saying to you, God loves you so much. Just because you don't want to be transformed doesn't mean he's not gonna transform you. Just get ready. He's gonna take you through some painful times that's gonna cause you to let go of everything this world has to offer, and it's gonna cause you, just like a child, to reach up to Abba, Father, and say, oh God, I need you. And then he'll transform you, and then he'll begin to transform others through you. So what am I inviting you to do? Number one, don't run from the pain. Don't run to it, but don't run from it. 
What I'm inviting you to do, if you wanna find joy in pain, don't run from the pain. Don't demand that God deliver you from the pain or else we're through, God. No, no, no. In your pain, run to Jesus. I've told you before about the most painful season of my life was when I was 18 years old. I had a crisis of faith. I accepted the Lord when I was nine. I didn't grow up in church, so I always had this awareness of God, but I didn't have a clue about God. And I was in college, and I was lost. And I can remember just thinking, God, I gotta figure out who you are, because all I think is that you hate me and you're gonna send me to hell, and I gotta figure out who you are. And the friend group that I had, they just weren't following God, and so I knew I was gonna have to break off my friendships. I knew that I was gonna have to get involved in a church, and I started going to First Baptist Church in Commerce, Texas. And I worked on the poultry farm and I lived on an apartment there and I lived by myself on the poultry farm. And, and so, I mean, my days were going to class and taking care of chickens and church stuff and then just sitting there reading my Bible and it's one of the most alone times of my life. And God took me through the refiner's fire. He took me through the refiner's fire because there was so much in my life that I needed to confess there was so much in my life that I needed to learn. Did you know that as followers of Jesus, we're actually supposed to read the Bible? Who knew that kind of stuff? And you're supposed to pray and confess sins? And I started learning all of these things in church and, and they started teaching me about how to follow Jesus. I had so much to learn and I had so much to do. And it's amazing. You're gonna say, oh Gary, you're just making this up. No, I honestly, as I look back on it, I realized God immediately, as he began to transform me, he plugged me into church and, and he put me to work in church. And I mean, I was passing out bulletins the first time my wife visited church on a Wednesday night. I gave her the bulletin and I said, hey baby, you wanna go on a date? No, I didn't. <laughs> But I wanted to, because when you see a gospel fox, you just go for it, right? Amen. And so I, uh, I mean, I'm passing out bulletins. I, I'm driving the bus to pick up kids before church. And you go, seriously, they used to do that? Yeah, it was like 200 years ago, but, but I did that. And God put me to work, and, and then, not just there, he, he, I got into a witness training class, and at 18 years old that summer, I started going dorm to dorm, door to door on campus, and witnessing to folks, and, and I'm telling you, in the course of that summer, God transformed my life, but he took me through the refiner's fire to do it. And that summer, I fell in love with Jesus. And that summer, I fell in love with his word, and that summer I fell in love with his church and that summer I fell in love with the calling that he placed on my life. And that summer I fell in love with Kim because I met her at the end of the summer. If I'd have met her at the beginning of the summer, she wouldn't have given me the time of day. By the end of the summer, she gave me a second look. Thank the Lord. God takes us through the refiner's fire to transform us. But then he takes us the transformed us. And he puts us in places where he can work through us to transform others. So you want joy and pain? You're gonna have to lean in. In the midst of the pain, lean into Jesus and just say, Jesus, I'm gonna consider it joy because I know that you're gonna work through this pain.
to do something good in me and to do something good through me. So instead of shaking my fist, I'm just gonna lean in. And by the way, could I just say to you a second thing, a second response to this message would be this. Let God transform others through you. Embrace that. I'm telling you, Stephen had impact on the very day that he died. Did you know there was a young man there named Saul who was literally holding everyone's coat? And, and Saul, I, the Bible never tells us the impact that Stephen's faith, that Stephen's life, that Stephen's grace, that his angelic faith had a face, had on Saul. But I can tell you this, Saul, not long after, was converted and became a follower of Jesus. And only heaven will tell the impact that God had on Paul through Stephen. And I'm telling you, you let God transform you through the refiner's fire and I'm telling you, God is gonna begin to have impact on the people around you in ways that you can't even imagine. So lean into God transforming others through you. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a response time now where we're just gonna sing, we're gonna worship. The Lord's Supper is available on tables down here. We want you to get up and come down. Thank the Lord we're moving past COVID so we can get close again, amen? Amen. And so you can come down. We have, we have it in the, uh, the balcony as well. Across the front, there are gonna be people who are prayers. And they are willing to pray for you. Maybe you just need to talk to somebody about the pain in your life and just say, hey, I know you can't do anything about my pain, but you can bear the burden with me. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna invite you to come to this altar, take the Lord's Supper, come to this altar, let somebody pray over you. The, the next step room is all open during this time as well. Maybe you need to respond by trusting in Jesus to be your savior. You come to that next step room. Maybe you're next step is baptism. Maybe your next step is church membership. We want you to respond in these moments. Let me pray. We'll stand. We'll worship and we'll respond. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for reminding us today that the refiner's fire is joyful only in that you use it to transform us and you use a transformed us to transform others. So Lord, right now, as we each imagine our own pain, Lord, may we all just as a faith exercise say, Lord, I consider this pain all joy, knowing that you're using it to transform me knowing that you're using it in my life as a refiner's fire. Lord, may our response to this message be, Lord, in the midst of my pain, I'm not running from the pain. In the midst of my pain, I'm just running to you, Jesus. Lord, we're running to you in Jesus' name. Amen.